You are listening to Freedom Church STL. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit freedomchurchstl.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy this message. Let's get our Bibles out and I want you to turn to John chapter 6. We're going to be there for a while. We do have some work to do today. Is that okay? We always have work to do. But let's pray before we jump into this. Father God, I thank you so much. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive, that it's active, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide us, to divide us to our very core. Man, it takes things in our lives that we have set up as truths, and all of a sudden your word and the power of the Holy Spirit comes in and says, hey, we need to talk, because that's a pattern of death, and I've called you to life. And so, Father, today I pray as a community, whether you're watching down a lens or you're sitting in this house, Father, my prayer is that our ears be open, our hearts be receptive, and our knees be weak so that when you begin to deal with us that we are flexible and we're, we're able to just bend our knee and walk in lordship and trust that you are leading us to life. Maybe even in times when we don't understand, let it be so. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, today what we're going to do, we're going to spend some time just allowing the word to establish the word. Is that okay? We've always said this at Freedom Church. We've always talked about this. The beauty of the gospel and the beauty of the Bible is that the Bible teaches the Bible. Meaning that, that there's always protection in the Bible. Meaning there's always context. Like if I don't understand something, don't worry. I can look somewhere else and it will expound on that. Does that make sense? Like it teaches it. And that's our safety, right? Our, our safety isn't in the opinion of man or, or in, the, in the thought process. Our, our safety is, is, but what does the Bible say about the Bible? And so today we're going to allow the Bible to establish some things in us so that we can begin to see some truths and then maybe answer a question that we, I think we all struggle with. So where did I tell you to go? Huh? Okay, good. Go to Romans chapter 5. Go to Romans chapter 5. Starting in verse 6 through 11. I want you to go there because we're going to lay this out. We're going to establish some things. First thing that we're going to do today is this. We're going to establish the fact that Jesus has the authority, is, and and again, let me just, before before I even get into this, as we get into this, what's going to happen is this, is your eyes are going to begin to roll back into your head, you're going to begin to check out, you're going to begin to say, oh, I know this stuff. That's what's going to happen. So I'm just warning, I'm preemptively striking and letting you know that when we get into this, you are going to go, I got that. I know that. You don't have to teach me that. It's established in me. But what we're going to realize is, is if it's really, if what we're going to deal with here is really not established, it's going to affect us later on. And that's why we got to deal with this first before we move in. Fair? Fair. So the first thing that we have to establish and then, or just and to dig into is that number one, stating that Jesus is who he says he is and is also not only who he says he is, but that he has the authority to deliver us from our sins. That's good news, right? 
is it's, it is good news <laughs> as people to realize that there is something, there is someone that has the authority to deliver me from that which I cannot deliver myself from. Like that's, that is actually the crux of the good news of the gospel. Follow me on that? Okay, I mean, that is the basis of it. So let's just look at this and then we're gonna dig out some truths. You with me? So Romans chapter five, starting in verse six. Let's just read through this real quick. Verse six says this, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, everybody say powerless. powerless. Listen, you know what's funny about that word is I'll be honest with you. In the moment that Christ found me, I actually felt powerful, but it was based on such weakness, it was unbelievable. Does that make sense? Like I was so strong that I was enough until I realized that I wasn't enough. Does that make sense? And then Jesus is gonna say, he's, he's kind of calling through all of that. He says, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone for a, die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. And if you do not have this underlined in your Bible or, or tattooed on you or, or, or put up on your wall or a bumper sticker, while we were still sinners, Christ did what? Died through us. And how many of you would say, yeah, thank you. Anybody? Come on, he can see through the roof. I'm just telling you, I, 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 I've biblically read it. He can see through uh, uh, 10, 10 roofs. Uh, verse 9 says this, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? This is good news. Verse 10, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the, through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Verse 11, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. Everybody in this room, if you're a believer in Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, would say, yes, he has all the authority to, re to release me from my bondage of sin. Anybody here, would you agree with that? No, 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 raise your hand. Let me just see. I wanna make sure here. We'll see who I'm working with. Okay, good. So you would all say, you have the authority to release me. You have, it is within your scope. It is within who you are to release me from the very thing that I am bound by, right? Like that's good news. Now let's look at this. Go to John, not chapter six yet. Go to John chapter three. I don't know if you've read this verse. In John chapter three, 16 through 18, I don't know if you've ever heard this. But it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's good news, right? But to save the world through what? Through good works? Through actions? No, through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe him stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Again, 
What are we establishing? We would all sit in this room. If I took a poll at the door and I just said as you walked in, hey, good morning, welcome to Freedom Church. Do you believe that Jesus has the authority to deliver you from your sins? Every one of you would say, hey, are there donuts here today? But yes, I do believe, right? I do believe that Jesus has the authority, and in the person of Jesus, in that, in the manifestation of the Godhead through the Son of Jesus Christ, he, in that person, has the authority to relieve me from the very thing that I am bound by. And how many of us would say, yep, I agree. Come on, if you raise your hand, we can go home early. I'm just kidding. Ryan literally raised both hands. I'm just, for those playing along at home, I just want to let you know, this is what I'm dealing with, all right? I know, but Ryan just, no, Ryan's just saying that he ultimately agrees. Now, why? Because most of us in this room, this is Feltboard stuff, right? Most of us in this room would sit there and look at you and go, look at me and go, Pastor Chris, I could literally stand and teach this message. Good, why aren't you, number one? But that's another, set, that's another topic, right? But number two... Number two, why is it so important that this truth is established in us? Meaning, why is it so important that we understand that he has this authority? The reason being is because if we do not have this established in us, meaning if I do not have established in it that he is, not, not kind of, not partial, but fully has all authority to release me from what that binds me and I can't do anything about it, then that, that must mean that he's, he has more authority even than that. Are you following me on that? And when I realize somebody has authority that's above my authority, then it causes me now to have to make a decision, do I submit to that authority? Are you following me on this? What I'm saying is this. We state all the time, we state all the time that we declare that Jesus has all of this authority, that all of this authority, and we are, benefic we are the beneficiaries of this authority. We are the beneficiaries of the fact that he releases us. He takes that which we are bound by and he cuts it off. He has the ability to do that. We state that all the time, but we are called out. And the reality of that truth is called out the second he begins to say something or require something of us. Are you following me on this? We declare and we sing it from the rooftops, God, you have all the authority. Jesus, you have the authority to deliver me from my sin. But the second he begins to test that in us by requiring something of us, we begin to look at him and say, but I'm, I'm sorry, and who are you? I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the whole thing of you being able to release me, but now you're requiring something of me? I'm sorry, who are you? I'm, I'm sorry, and how? I'm sorry, I don't know about if you understand this, but I'm living my truth. And I'm really appreciative of the fact that, that you have given me the, ben the benefits of being released from sin, but I'm living my truth. So now that you're required, I don't know if you really have this authority to require this of me. Are you following me on this? See, this is why it's important, and this is why we're gonna get into John chapter six. Now you can go to John chapter six. Did I hear a thank you? Good. 
John chapter 6. Listen, sometimes we can jump into the word and we can just begin to dig into it, but if we do not have context of the word, sometimes we can miss it. And you have to understand something. My job in this place is to not just make sure that you're entertained and your ears are tickled, but my job in this place is to make sure that you have the understanding, the full gospel, the full picture of the gospel, right? So that you are matured up, so I am matured up, so that we can do the work of the gospel, right? I'll wait for that, right? There we go, okay. So John chapter six, let's pick this up. John chapter six. Most of us know this story. We're gonna, we're gonna really kind of get into it when we get into verse 25. But what goes down in the beginning of John chapter six? Come on, it literally says it in a heading in your Bible. What does it say? Come on, say it out loud. What goes down? He does what? Right, he does something miraculous for those that are in his presence, right? He takes something that those that are around him do not have, and he begins to do something miraculous for them. He feeds them, right? It is a feast. It is one of the first potluck dinners ever thrown at a church, right? That's it. The only thing missing is like potato salad, right? I mean, that would be the only thing that would be missing from like, uh, uh, and toasted ravs. That's like a St. Louis potluck uh, uh, church dinner, right? Toasted ravs and somebody bring potato salad. But Jesus does something miraculous in the beginning there, right? He feeds the 5,000. And there's all of these people that are gathered there and they are partaking in this miracle. Are you following me on this? They are partaking in the fact that they are receiving that which they do not have from somebody that's willing to give it to them, all right? Then all of a sudden, what happens that? Next, the guys go off. He sends them off in a boat. Jesus does his thing. What's he do? He takes off walking on the water, right? And he goes ahead of them. And he ends up on the other side. And the same people that then were on the other side of the lake are now running to the other side of the lake. Why? Because they had received something, they had gotten something from somebody that they couldn't do themselves, and they enjoyed partaking in that. Are you following me on this? So now all of a sudden we're going to get into verse 26 here. And we're going to kind of just kind of dig some things through here and begin to see what Jesus begins to kind of call them out. And, and I believe it as he calls them out, he's calling us out. In verse 25, it says this, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, I love this. This is going to be, you can put a star by this. This is when Jesus is going to begin to test, like, why are you really here? Why do you really want me? Jesus, verse 26 says this, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures as to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. What is Jesus doing right there? All of a sudden, as Jesus is beginning to look at those around him, and they're standing there. Listen, they are in his presence. They are seeking after him to get something for him. So it looks peripherally, like from the outside looking in, we would look at that and we'd say, look at these people chasing after Jesus. Look at these people coming to church to get something from him. Man, look at how godly they are. And Jesus is going to look at them and go, hey, guys, I, I, I kind of... I'm kind of seeing through some things. 
Like, like I'm kind of seeing through. Like, like you're here not because of me. You're here because you ate of what I gave you and you got your fill. But he doesn't just call them out and just punch them in the mouth and just leave them at that. He's gonna give them, he's gonna begin to walk out some truth. And he's gonna begin to establish, let me, let me tell you guys, uh, like, like I, I'm something more than just a bread maker and a fish multiplier. Like, I want to establish my authority in you. I need you to see this, guys. Guys, I know you're here for the food, and I know you're here for this whole thing because you got something that you couldn't do on your own. Like, I understand that, and I know that you're looking at me like I have the ability to give you something, but I need you to see me for more than that. Like, I need this to be established in you that I'm more than just a bread giver and a fish multiplier. Let's keep going here. Are you following me on this? Because we're going somewhere. There's a reason why he's doing this. And and we're going to land somewhere that I think is going to protect us. In verse 32, let's just jump down there. In verse 32, Jesus says to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. Because these guys are going to be taught. He, he's relating. Follow me on this just contextually. He's relating back to what they understand. They understand the loaves. They understand the manna. They understand that God has given them something in the past. And they're calling on this. And Jesus is going to go, listen, guys. Guys, guys, I understand that you have context, that you've received this. But I'm even more than that. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's speaking. He's trying to turn their eyes to him. Like I, he's, he's literally begging them, guys, I, I, I need you. I need you to see what's standing in front of you. And I love this. Sir, they said, oh, I love this. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They're still in this bread mentality. They're still in this, well, give me the residue. Give me the tricks. Give me the stuff that fills my belly. And then Jesus declared, I, again, he's putting the authority on him. I am what? I'm the bread. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. Let me put that in context of the modern church. You've come and you've received and you've believed that he can forgive you, but you still do not see him as the authority that stands before you. Are you following me on this? Like, like I, I'm telling you, like I see this in my own life that I declare it out of my mouth that yes, you have all authority in heaven and earth to release me from my bondage of sin. But as I even say that, you're standing before me and go, but do I have authority in your life? Do you see me the way you really need to see me and not just benefiting from the thing I can let you go from? Are you following me on this? Let's pick it up here in verse 43. Come on, do we, are, are we mature enough to just kind of go through this? Huh? Okay, good. Verse 43, it says this. At this, the Jews there began to grumble. Man, they're not digging this, right? Because they, they don't like this. They, they don't like that Jesus is taking the authority off something else and putting it on who? 
him. They're not liking the fact that he's beginning to sound like, like, wait a second. Like, who are you? Like, like I know. Like, follow me on this just for a second. I need you to see this in context. We, 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 we kind of super spiritualize all these moments, right? Oh, the feeding of the 5,000. And we just kind of act like, like that's just normal. Man, that ain't normal, right? Man, they were just a part of a moment where, where miracles happened. They literally ate miracles. And now the guy that's standing in front of them that performed those miracles is now pointing back to them. And instead of them going, hey, maybe he's got a point. Maybe we should actually listen to him. Maybe we should actually see that maybe he has authority over, over, over maybe more than just the low. Like if he, can, if he can mess with natural order, right? Then maybe we should listen to him. Maybe we should look to him. But all of a sudden, Jesus begins to look at him and say, listen, guys, I need you to see me. I'm the bread. I'm the authority. I'm that which if you eat of me, then you'll never grow hungry. And then all of a sudden, they do what we begin to do. And this is where all of a sudden the rubber meets the road. And I, were, I believe where our, our issues begin to grow into or, be, or begin to manifest. Verse 41 says this, and the Jews there began to grumble about him because they said, I, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Like, again, this is going back to that mentality. Yeah, yeah, I know you can do this, but all of a sudden now you're telling me that you're my authority, and if that makes you my authority, then I have to submit to you. Now I begin to grumble and push back against that. You follow me on this? And they said, is this, now follow me on this, they're, they're, going to try, they're going to try to rationalize all of this. They're going to try to dismiss him by, his, by, by who he is. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father uh, and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? I love this. They're literally trying to dismiss him. Guys, this is our pattern. Guys, this is our pattern. Jesus, we declare, oh, you have all authority in heaven and earth to, to, to release me from my sin. And then all of a sudden, Jesus begins to say, yeah, but I'm also the authority over your life. And I now might require some things over you. And now we are trying, just like they do, we begin to try to manipulate. And how can I dismiss him? How can I minimize him? How can I minimize this requirement he's about to ask me to do? Are you following me on this? Let's pick it up here. Let's go down to verse 48. It says this, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews, listen, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. For my flesh is the real food, and my blood is the real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. And just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me." This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And on hearing this, verse 60, on hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? And they jetted and they bolted and they left the scene. I need you to hear me what I'm about to say. I need you to hear me what I'm about to say. The reason why it is so important that we not only have him as established as we declare out of our mouths that you are the one that can set us free from sin, like you can do the things that we cannot do. But if we do not have him and actually see him as who he is, as the bread of life, as all these things, we will be no different than the people that stood before him that when he begins to require us of things, when he begins to ask us of things that seem odd, that seem out of place, that seem weird, when he begins to speak to us and say, I need you to do this, I need you to do this action, I need you to trust me in this, that we do not look back at him and say, I'm sorry, I can dismiss you. You're just Joseph's kid and that's a little weird, the whole like eat your flesh and drink your blood. I'm out. Check, please. See, here's the funny thing, guys. I, I guarantee that if I, if I read this story, if I read this story and asked you to explain it, even if you couldn't be, you know, logical terms and big, grandiose and verbose ways of speaking, if I asked you to explain when Jesus said, when Jesus looked at them and said, I need you to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and they all jetted out of there, you, most of us, could stand up here and go, man, they didn't get it. He, he's going to die for them. It's going to be his flesh, and it's going to be his blood. Don't they get that? Right? Like, do most of us understand, do most of us understand what they missed here? No, 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 I, I need an answer on that. I, like, do, do you under, like, could you explain that? Okay, so what I'm saying is, is follow me on this. We're on the other side of that, right? Like we're standing on the other side of what they're experiencing and we're looking back at them and looking at them and and, and almost judging them from a self-righteous place of guys, why would you leave? He's asking you to eat of his flesh because he's the living bread. He's asking you to drink of his blood. Don't you know he's gonna shed his blood? Don't you know this is gonna happen? And those people in that moment had no idea. They had no idea what was to come. So the reality of it is we can look back and see from this side of this story what they missed out on. The reality of it is, follow me on this, the reality of it is, is when we're on that side of it, when we're on this side of it, and God begins to ask us to do things and require us things that seem unnatural, that seem weird, that might see against our flesh and against our normal desires, like all of a sudden we, we kind of turn into these guys. 
We kind of turn it to them and go, nah, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's really, like, I don't know if this, like, I don't understand if I get that. I don't, I don't know. Who are you again? Aren't you Joseph's kid? Can't I dismiss you? Can't I, can't, I'm like, I know I, you did the bread thing and you did the fish thing and that was cool, but I'm on this side of it and I don't know if I really trust what you're telling me to do. It's actually going to lead me to life. And so we walk away because we don't do what the very thing that we would look at them and say, guys, don't you know who's standing in front of you? Like we would look back through the scope of history and we would look at them and go, guys, don't you know who was standing in front of you? Listen to me, that same Jesus stands in front of us and requires things of us all the time that seem outside of our normal, outside of our flesh response. He requires us things. He requires us to put things down and to pick things up. There may be things that we do not want to put down and things we surely do not want to pick up. And if we do not have the authority of who he is established in our lives, we run the risk of standing there with the bread of life standing in front of us and dismissing him as just Joseph's kid. No, no, are you, are you following me on this? Like... The, you wonder why for the last 13 years, I, I've done nothing but just rehash the, the, the teaching on lordship. You, don't, you wonder why, like for the last 13 years, I've spent all my time trying to invest into this house the understanding of lordship and seeing Jesus for who he is and not just for somebody that can release me from something and get me out of something, but seeing him as authority. Because if I don't see him as the authority he is when he stands before you and requires something of you, if you do not see him as authority, you will dismiss him. And you can do it from the position of sitting in a church. And that's what I'm terrified of. I'm terrified that we sit in the house of the fish multiplier and the bread maker and we benefit and we all agree that, oh, how great you are, that you release me from this sin. But then he stands in front of you and he says, Sonia, I need you to let go of that way of thinking. And we look at him and go, I'm sorry, who are you? I'm sorry, aren't you Joseph's kid? Like the bread was good and the fish were good, but, but who are you in my life that says that you can tell me what to do? See, let, let's look at one more passage here. Are you still with me today? Guys, I know this is a little heavy, but this is, like, this is, like, I know, it's like, oh, come on, teach on the fruits of the Spirit, and teach on this, and teach on that. Listen, I can teach on all of those things, but if we do not have this established in us, <laughs> it all falls apart. Let's look at one more thing. I want you to go to John. Go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 7 through 11, we know this story. We love this story. This is when Jesus has got somebody that's brought to them, and brought, this woman is brought to him. He's caught in the act of adultery. They bring, him, they bring this lady in front of him. And I love this. And, I mean, I don't love this situation, but I love this story. And we know, this, we know the story. We know the end before the beginning. We know what's about to go down. But I want you to see this very clearly. Because this, this statement that he says is one of those statements that if we don't have the authority established in us, we're going to miss it. I love this in verse 9. At this, 
those who heard began to go away one at a time because Jesus had basically just looked at them. They were going to stone this lady. And Jesus basically looks at them in and, and, and verse 7 and 8 and basically is like, listen, whoever doesn't have any sin, go ahead and throw away, guys. Throw away. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until, until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And I love this response. No one, sir, she said. And then Jesus says this, then neither do I condemn you. And everybody shouted and rejoiced, what? Praise God, hallelujah, he doesn't condemn me. He, he's, he's, he saved me from my sin. Oh, you are so good. Glory be to God that, that I am standing in the midst of my sin and you came not to condemn me, but to save me through you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The only problem is, is he goes on. He says, then neither do I condemn you. And then here's one of those weird statements like eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now go now and leave your life of sin. Guys, <laughs> there are moments in our life all the time actually that we love when Jesus comes in and begins to do things in our life that Jesus can only do, like find us in the midst of our despair, like come, we love verses, like come to me, all who are weary in labor, and I will give you rest, right? We love that because we love elevating him to the one that can give us rest. We love elevating him to the one that, can, that, that came to not condemn me. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for giving me life. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for releasing me from sin. Thank you, Jesus. And then he goes, God, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you see me as that which can do that. Oh, but by now, now I'm requiring something of you. Now I'm requiring you go and... Leave your life of sin. I'm sorry? Excuse me? How dare you? How dare you look at my truth and call it sin? How dare you look at what I have established and who I am? How, who are you, son of Joseph? Who are you, bread maker and fish mo Who are you that you have the right to speak to my truth and tell me how to live my life? How dare you? Who do you think you are? I don't mean to be dramatic, but the reality of it is, is I've done that in my life too many times because I love the benefits of the bread maker and the fish multiplier. But then all of a sudden when he flexes his authority and says, now I require something of you. That's all of a sudden pushes back against my kingdom, my lordship of my life. And guys, my fear is, is that we do not have this established. My fear is, is that my son could literally sit in church for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. He could sit in church for all of this time, sit under, under an amazing pastor, a great man of God. He could, I mean, he could. I mean, this is another church, but uh, 
He could sit under that. But if he doesn't have it established that who Jesus is, that when Jesus begins to look at crew and go, crew, I know you want to go this way, but I'm requiring you to go this way, that he will miss those opportunities and still run his own life while still sitting in the building because he really digs the fish and he really digs the bread. Are you following me on this? Like my fear, follow me on this. I'm going to just pick on my son just for a second. My fear is that, no, no, this is honestly a fear of mine that I, I, I pray for all the time. My fear is that, that the lordship of Christ is not established in my son and that he even finds his employment in the church, that somebody pays him to lead worship, somebody pays him to do what he's gifted at doing. And even in that, even in him working out all of those things, he still doesn't have it established as his lordship of Christ. Christ. And when Jesus says, I need you to walk this way, and maybe I need you to walk away from this gig or walk away from this thing, that he runs from it and looks at Jesus and goes, hey, I don't know you, man. Aren't you, aren't you Joseph's son? He minimizes him all while working in the church. Man, if my fear is for him in the church, my fear is for all of us. My fear is for myself. I stand up here every Sunday and try to give you the word, but my fear is me is that I would be one of those that delivers the word. And then in the end, he looks at me and says, I'm sorry I don't know you because you didn't know me really. Do you see the weight of this? Do you see that we could all be beneficiaries of the of the bread and the fish and declare out of our mouths that he is the authority to release us from the very thing that binds us. Yet that when he speaks up and says, hey, I need you to leave that life of sin. And we push back and say, well, and we even use the word, oh, but I'm, I'm free to do this. Uh, I have the freedom. It's, it's not even established in your word. Yeah, but it's a stumbling block to those around you. How dare you speak to my, my walk? I'll walk this out. Yeah, but I'm the one that gave you the walk, and so I'm requiring something. And who do you think you are talking to me like this? Aren't we on the same page? Aren't you my co-pilot in life? You follow me on this? Are you seeing the weight on this? Guys, he's going to stand before you, and I'm sorry, we all come to him. We all come to the goodness and the knowledge of the fact that he can release us from sin, but the second we understand that, that he has that authority coming along right with that is the realization that he is the authority now for all of our life. Every aspect. And when he looks at you and says, put that down, we don't push back and go, who are you? We just go, you know what? I don't even understand. Like, follow me on this. Have you ever had God tell you to do something? Have you ever read in his word and felt like God's leading you to do something and you didn't understand it in the moment? Anywhere, anybody? Like, you, like it was just something he was leading you. I want, like, you wanted to do this, and he was like, no, I need you to do this. And sometimes you, you didn't even know what was to come, but you just trusted him. And then when you look back on it, you see, like, like being on the other side of that story, you look back and you go, oh, yeah, I get that. See, that's that establishment of authority. That's that establishment and that trust factor of going, God, even when you say weird things like eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, I don't even know what you're talking about. But if that's what, if that's what it is, let's do this. I love how this finishes, and I'm just going to close with this. I'm just going to close with this. Let's jump down to the very end. 
of John chapter 6, because I want to see this. On verse 60, it says this, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken, he's again establishing his authority. Guys, do you know who's in front of you? Yet there are some of you who do not believe, verse 64. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them uh, did not believe and, and who would betray. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father enables them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They checked out because they couldn't see him for who he really is. And then I love this. Jesus looks at the guys standing with him that are left. You do not want to leave me? Do you? I'm sorry, he says, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And I love what I pray that our response is to Jesus. Simon Peter just answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Guys, listen to what he's saying there. Peter basically just looks at him and goes, listen. I don't even understand the whole eating of your flesh and drinking of your blood. But if you tell me to stand on my head for the next 10 hours and that's what you desire of me, will somebody grab my feet? Right? I mean, that's what he's basically saying. Like he's so sold out to the fact that, listen, where am I gonna go? I, I've already bought into it. Like I, I'm sold out to the fact that you are it. So even if I don't understand it, even if I don't see the end result, even if it goes against everything that's in me, like, like fine, if you tell me to stand on my head, Chris, John, get over here, grab my right foot. I'm getting on my head. I don't get it. I don't understand what's the point of it. But I believe that you have the words of life. And if you tell me, I'm gonna do it because where else am I gonna go? See, that's sold out not just to the bread maker and the multiplier of fish. That's sold out to the Son of God. So my prayer is, is that we have that kind of authority established in us so that when he stands before you and goes, guys, I'm acquiring some things of you, you just go, you know what? Somebody grab my feet. <laughs> I don't know what I'm... I mean, he's just, he literally just told me to stand on my head and I don't even know why. But if he says it, his words are life. His words are life. And I'll, I'll stand on my head for, the, for eternity if I have to, if I get him. Because not only do I see him as that which can release, I see him above all things. And because of that, I look back and I just go, just like Peter said, where am I gonna go? Like, where do I go from this? Man, he's everything. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Guys, listen to me. This isn't one of those things where I can now ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and ask you to come forward and lay my hand on you and go, you now see Jesus as who he is and have him as the authority in your life. Be gone. Man, I wish I could do that. Jesus himself was standing in the midst of this declaring, begging them to see him as that, and they still left. And you think I can lay my hands on you and make that happen? No. No. 
it has to be something like Peter where he just looks back at where he came from and just goes, where am I going to go? Like, where am I going to go? And you're it. Whatever you tell me, whatever you tell me to lay down, whatever you tell me to, whatever you require me, when you look at me and say, now go from your life of sin or go this direction when your flesh wants to go another, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? I'm not going to fight you on that. I'm in. I'm in. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now for this house. I pray for myself. Father, I thank you that we do have a spirit of thankfulness from being set free from sin. I'm so thankful for that. But Father, my prayer today is that we have a full revelation, a full revelation of your authority in our lives so that when we look back over our lives, we state and we parrot the words of Peter. We just say, where am I gonna go? Where could I go? And just cling to whatever you require of us. We don't try to minimize you. We don't try to dismiss you. We don't try to argue our stance. We just go, where would I go? Even if I don't understand it, I trust you. Father, let that be the, the testimony of this house. Let it rest on us like a wet blanket. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, stand to your feet. Come on now. That help anybody today? Thanks for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can text Freedom Prayer to 94000 and send us your prayer request. And don't forget to find us on social media at Freedom Church STL. You can also find more info on our website at freedomchurchstl.com.